eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast on the beat. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Rate us, review us, follow, however you get your podcast, and subscribe on the YouTube channel to get stuff like this, notifications like this live on the beat podcast. With that, of course, means I've got Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Manning the Controls, and Luke Buxton rolling in at the 9 o'clock hour with an energy drink. Oh, to be young. I freely admit I did have a cup of coffee earlier um, so I could stay awake, not so I could pound through the night. Well, that's not really a good way to put that, Luke. My bad. Uh, let's get into this podcast. Greg, uh, I'll Great start, start Tommy. Yeah, I know, really. It's live, too. You can't go back and edit it. Oh, well. Uh, Greg, you know, when the offseason comes, we talked about this a, a while back, like looking forward to a slowdown to a time that sort of relaxed a little bit so vacations could happen. You could sort of ease into the summer months. And there have been a few years in Carolina sports that you've been covering this stuff that have been hectic over the summer, 2010. Uh, But I've been thinking about what was the last time at the end of a basketball season, and and this is totally discounting um, spring football, but at the end of a basketball season that has been this nuts – around Carolina I can't think of one can you no not really and about the only thing you can really compare it to is um 2009 2017 at least from my coverage standpoint just because for the sole purpose that the national championship game was the first week of of April it's just the Monday before the Masters uh, which makes that week so fun but even then, when you're covering that kind of stuff, you're in the flow. You know what to expect. Um, you know, it's certainly not easy, um, but you, you're kind of prepared for it. And you, you've got the, the grind in, in place, and you can kind of roll with it. And then you roll directly into off-season uh, decisions. Uh, and typically, those come out pretty quick. And then you wrap up spring football, and that's about it. I mean, North Carolina finished their basketball season a month ago and it has been nonstop trying to figure out exactly what's going to take place. And, uh, you know, that's even before Roy decided to retire. So when you, when you're talking about one of the best basketball coaches in, in the history of the game, stepping down, 
uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's ripples across the entire country, not just in Chapel Hill or North Carolina. And so, yeah, when you, when you add in all these other components and a coaching search and a roster shakeup and transfer portal and all these different things on, on top of the expectations on the football side of things and kind of what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's been chaotic. And uh, I, th- I think we still have a little bit, a little bit more time to go. At least spring football game is 11 days away. And so I think at least the next two weeks are going to continue to be uh, pretty jam packed. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Buck always likes to say there is no off season inside Carolina. That is, <laughs> that is certainly the case this year. Um, it, it is just beyond crazy. I, I think about what life was without social media. And you think about how the Kessler deal would have been without social media or um, about the transfer portal and all this stuff. It's just, it is a nonstop rollover 24 hour news cycle. And, and you guys have been at the um, at the wheel trying to, trying to drive down whatever roads go Luke, I'll come into you first. I usually go to Gregory after Greg, but uh, you know, I saw you on the football field um, with Taylor Vipolis talking about football. How, how has it been covering Inside Carolina from from your standpoint, or covering Carolina for Inside Carolina from your standpoint these last months? Well, these last what three and a half, four weeks? Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it on the on the Roy Williams retirement podcast, but. You know, to see someone like Roy Williams retire, who I've grown up, you know, idolizing, going to games, watching on TV my whole life, and then as a fan, and then kind of going as in, in this position as a as an intern with Inside Carolina and covering it in the press conference was kind of surreal. It was it was tough to wrap my head around. And then obviously you have the Hubert hire, and then you know, kind of on the flip end you have a football team that is preparing to be one of the best teams in the nation. So kind of everything that I've known as a, you know, UNC fan and and student growing up and now kind of looking at it and a journalist and it's kind of a surreal experience seeing Roy go out, Hubert in, and now looking at also, holy crap, we are on the verge of what it looks like becoming almost a football school, Um, which is something that I never thought I would say. Um, It's been to answer the initial question you asked, it's been uh, the most exciting time. COVID has kind of been tough with, with us being on all these Zooms conferences and, and having to watch the games uh, on, on, you know, on TV and then coming up with some sort of analysis. Being able to be at Roy Williams' press conference, getting to look him in the eyes, see his emotions, seeing kind of the, the players in the back, observing that, and then being at football, getting to kind of see the guys up close, talk to the people after practice. It's kind of been a very uh, reassuring feeling of why we love doing this job. Um, and it's exciting. There's no place better to do it than Carolina. There's not many places where you get to cover a Hall of Fame coach's retirement and then get to welcome in a, uh, you know, the number two best three-point percentage uh, player in the NBA as a new head coach. And then also interview a Hall of Famer uh, after you watch the team practice to as high expectations to be a top 10 team in the nation. So kind of all those different feelings. It's been uh, it's been a peculiar but also very exciting time to be in this job at this special place. Luke, I'm sure Mac Brown has pairs of pants that are older than you and I. Easily. I mean, Tommy, who's Hell, older than, than, than Gregory? So you have a pair of pants that's older some, than 22 years old, Tommy? I'm pretty sure I do. 
that you could still fit in? Yeah, man. Hadn't <laughs> you paid attention to these podcasts and the live show before? Boy, don't make me come over there. And I do know where you live now. So, you know, I'm going to put the headset down and come busting through the door. Gregory's getting too comfortable being on Zoom. When we get I know, person, really. We can't, we can't be saying those things anymore, Gregory. What, what's the See, Mike Tyson yeah, You know, Mike Tyson said folks get too comfortable you know, saying whatever they want without getting punched in the face. Come on, Gregory. Look, let's be serious. You you came on the Inside Carolina Live show, Gregory, and I thought, you know, uh, even how would somebody, you grade his performance, Tommy? I thought was it was. Well, I was throwing you, in play by play. I know, and folks were like, "Keep him on there. <laughs> we don't need to hear y'all talk. Just play play by play from the spring game." I mean, how you feel about that? Look at the look on your face. You're like blown away. You did great. It was great. I love it. I mean, I was answering. Joey would ask me a question. I'd be mid-sentence. I'd be like, look at that pass from Chriswell, 50 yards deep down the field. J.J. Jones. Like, I was I was Woody Durham out there. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> ben, ben was asking me what more what, what, like, what more I wanted to do. I got to be like, play-by-play. Play. Like, put me on the air, right? Like, He's coming for your, jo- your job, Jones. Watch out. Yeah, really. Um, Dave Nathan, you better watch out. We got Gregory Hall coming rolling in. <laughs> Uh, no, and you, Gregory, you've been covering the baseball team. And like I told you, we were texting last night, night before last. It's like a little league game. It was literally last night. It was little league. Um, you mentioned social media at the baseball game last night. I was next to Pat James, um, who started his thing covering the baseball team. And it was right when the Walker Kessler news broke. And I just kind of tilted my phone to the left and showed him the Auburn logo, um, whatnot. And then I had a buddy of mine come over who's an IC subscriber. And he was like, I saw a orange and blue thing out of the corner of my eye. Like I, he knew I was over there. And he was like, what was that? And I was like, oh, it was Walker Kessler to Auburn. And like, that's how fast, like he had no idea. He didn't know the, like he knew following premium stuff. He knew the it was supposed to come soon, but it literally just me like tilting my phone to the left and seeing the AU logo. He was like, no way. And then came over and was like, is that for real kind of thing? So that there's a little mold between baseball and basketball and just social media and how that, how quickly people could get that news. Um, but no, the baseball team has been fun. And last night was crazy. Um, and that was a big, big turnaround for them because they've been struggling, lost back-to-back series. Scott Forbes challenged them, especially the older guys. It was like, look, when we're get, when we get down, you guys are just kind of folding at the, at bats. You're not, competing you're not if you get down 0-2 you're not working the count and things like that you're not attacking the plate you're not attacking pitches you need to be doing that so the younger guys can see that it's okay to come back it's okay to get down and come back and win they got down on saturday uh or i guess it ended up being sunday and won 11 to 5 they got down 2-0 yesterday and won 21 to 8 um so big weekend for the for the baseball team yeah, there's nothing like being in Boschheimer. Right? And and I love going to football games. I love going to basketball games. But the most fun I ever had in college was going to Boschheimer back in the day when it used to be a little more um, – you could drink what you wanted to over there without having to pay for it. Um, fun times. Greg, let's get into a little bit of news. Uh, I think one of the biggest you – know, Hubert Davis went after Walker Kessler and Joey and Sean and, and Rail have talked about that ad nauseum on the Coast to Coast podcast. I feel like he had to do it. I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. is kind of – I probably would have told him, yeah, we'd love to have him back. He's got a day to decide. 
that being said, you got to go after one of the best players out there. That's over with. Now he's got to complete a staff. And the news for me was King Rice not being a part of that staff. And I thought that was going to happen. Um, I said on the radio show, and Rail says it all the time, a done deal is not a done deal until it's a done deal. What do we know about what happened with King and Monmouth in Carolina? Well, what we know about the, the King and Rice deal is that, that North Carolina made an offer. Um, Monmouth countered, and King decided to, to stay at Monmouth. Now, here's where things get tricky is because people say, oh, North Carolina should have offered more money. North Carolina had, had a very good offer in place. And when you look at kind of what King Rice was making um, as a head coach compared to what UNC's assistants were making, pretty even playing field there. And so when you're talking about, and I don't know exactly what, what Monmouth countered with, but if it's in a legitimate range, right? At what point does your decision become not about money. And I would assume in this situation, there's a lot of emotion involved. I mean, we saw what King Rice did when, when he came to North Carolina a couple years ago with Monmouth and played, or his team played, and he spoke to us after that game. It's one of the emotional, most emotional post-game speeches you're ever going to see. So you knew right then how much North Carolina means to him. Um, and, and so what, what was the uh, issue there and I, for me when you consider that King Rice and Hubert were teammates at Carolina it really just probably became a matter of does he want to take a step back from a head coaching job to a lead assistant um, and I mean you know in, until we actually talk to King Rice we're not going to know that the full answer that's kind of how I viewed it um, it wasn't a money thing as much as it was just you know, probably some reluctance on his part about, do I want to take a step back? Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Walker Kessler as well. Um, not the start that Hubert Davis wanted as North Carolina's basketball coach. If, if you're going to go out in your introductory press conference and you're going to swing for the fences and you're going to make your first, your first recruiting pitch publicly for the whole world to see, uh, you better nail it. And he didn't. Walker Kessler is going to Auburn. Um, and then you, you make the comments about really wanting Carolina guys on your staff. Um, I have to imagine at that point in time, he probably thought that King Rice was going to join him. And let's, let's be clear here. If King Rice joins his staff, I mean, it really doesn't matter who you get as the other two assistants. I mean, that's a home run. And it, I've, I've been of the opinion that if, if you're going to have Hubert Davis as your head coach, at least initially, you've got to have somebody with experience beside him to help out. That's just a critical aspect. I mean, he's, he's only been an assistant coach for a few years. He's never been a head coach other than the JV team. Um, and so when you make some proclamations like that in your introductory press conference and uh, two of those big recruiting pitches don't land, that's not the start you want. Um, and so we, as you say, is, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, he's he's got some ground to make up. He needs to make some some good moves here. Um, Armando Bacot just became the biggest recruit on the on the planet for Hubert, 
And uh, that's possibly, probably out of his hands. It's really going to come down to what NBA scouts tell Armando. That's, I mean, that's not a Hubert thing. That's what we knew about Armando, you know, when he came to North Carolina. Um, so, you know, a difficult start, but plenty of time to, to, to make corrections, uh, but, but certainly not the way he wanted to begin his, his tenure as UNC's men's basketball coach. Tommy, what did I say Hubert needed to do in his first – when we were talking about that, what, what, do you remember what I said that was needed to be his goal his first week or so? I don't remember. Attacking, attacking the portal. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said Walker first because everyone was saying get Walker back. Well, he didn't get Walker. He got Justin McCoy, who I think is a testament of the type of player and type of system that Hubert wants. And then they he reached out to that Creighton kid and offered him a scholarship, another guy who wants to play to be a stretch. I think if he can get those types of players consistently and soon, then I think it's okay. And because the Walker deal a lot went in, a lot more went into it than just getting him back to UNC because we mentioned social media. I mean, the amount of backlash he got for leaving and then coming back as just a whole, I don't, I think that would have been too much for him regardless of system, but to Greg's point, Hubert needed to get that because it was a worldwide recruiting pitch, which we never see um, much less in this day and age with the transfer portal. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there before you moved on. No, I'm going to stay here for a second. You're right about the portal. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people, fretting that they're not deeper into the portal at the moment and i don't want him go to this is sherelle's um ballpark here uh, but there's a how many 1100 kids in the portal players 12, in the portal right 100 1250 I, I mean surely there's a few guys that can be what carolina would need right and that the goal is to find them and, and to get them to chapel hill um and i'm not necessarily sure that kessler accomplished that goal but he had to go after him he had to do what he had to do um here's my thought greg and i and luke i want you to comment but i want to ask greg this first when mac brown was hired and this is mac hall of fame brown was hired we based or a lot of people i didn't but a lot of people based whether or not the hire of mac was good completely depending on what staff he had and now we're talking about Hubert Davis trying to fill out a staff um, and, and missing out. I mean, the pressure is immense on this guy. Is it not, Greg? Or is yeah, absolutely, it? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. He had a, he had a lot of power uh, kind of in support behind him from the Carolina family. Um, and as, as we've talked about on this podcast, by going this route uh, – fans whether they want to or not are going to have to give him some grace and you're going to have to allow him to learn on the job because he has never had a job like this before nothing close and so there's going to be ups and downs and it's going to be more than just one year this is not a guy uh, just because of his experience or lack thereof as a coach who's going to be the best he's going to be even next year or maybe in the year after um you know, maybe in five years he's an elite guy uh, maybe sooner than that. That's I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he could be like Jawan Howard. Yep, he could. But there's a reason Jawan Howard's such a big story. It's because it's rare that that happens. Um, yeah, and so the thing with Mac Brown, um, obviously we know he's a Hall of Fame coach. We know that he knows how to do it. 
the, the issue there was things fell apart and he kind of lost his way a little bit at the end of Texas. And then he was out of the business for five years. So the concern was, okay, uh, he hadn't been around. He's been sitting in a TV analyst seat for five years. Things didn't end well at Texas. I mean, is he just going to get the gang back together again and try to run into the, you know, right off into the sunset? Um, and that's why there was a lot of concern and question marks about it. But then after the Greg Robinson fiasco, you get Jay Bateman and Phil Longo. And now all of a sudden you're saying, all right, like, those are progressive guys. These are big names, big up and coming names in the profession. Let's give him a shot. And then combined scheme with his ability to, to sell ice to Eskimos, as the saying's gone for 30, 40 years with the Mac. Uh, and we see what's going on now. Hubert, we just don't know kind of what he's working from. And so maybe he is the savant, right? Maybe he is. I mean, I think North Carolina fans hope he is, but we don't know. And so every little move that he makes both recruiting wise and in terms of uh, coaching staff decisions is going to be critiqued. And I think that's fair, but to your point, it's a ton of pressure. And the only way he gets out from under that pressure is by performing. Luke, you, you know, Hubert went all in on all this stuff. I, I mean, what has to happen for Hubert over these next couple months to sort of well, couple, even a couple weeks or a month to satisfy the masses. I mean, inside Carolina subscribers are amazing, but they're also the most diehard. I mean, I, I see people all the time in my real world that ask me questions and I'm like, do you subscribe to inside Carolina? And they're like, what's inside Carolina? You know? It, so there's, there's millions of people out there that um, just see what's posted on, uh, your free media or newspapers and all that. But for Inside Carolina purposes and, and Carolina purposes, what does Hubert need to accomplish here over the next couple of months, a couple of weeks uh, over the next couple of months? Yeah, first off, you're totally right about the Inside Carolina subscribers. got a couple of friends who are IC subscribers who are trying to feed me information. Like, I haven't even heard that. I'm, I'm at all the press conferences. So um, they are intense, and Hubert does have to act fast. I will say kind of going off um, on his press conference, his introductory press conference, I think he – it was tough. And I think he, he put himself in a little bit of predicament making some of those statements. And a lot of the statements were on questions that he wasn't ready to answer. So he had his opening statement. I think he knew kind of the messaging he wanted to convey. But then when Mark Armstrong asked him about Kessler – Someone asked him about the Carolina family assistant coaches. I don't know if he was prepared to answer those questions. And I think with the kind of pressure that came with that press conference, I don't know if he would have said the same things again, because locking yourself in a Carolina family and then missing out on King Rice and then, you know, fervently trying to get Walker Kessler and missing out on Kessler, put yourself in a bad situation. Uh, so I think he would have taken back or at least, in the way he said those answers so passionately, I think he maybe would have changed it to me. To answer your initial question about what does he need to do, I think it's really just filling out this team, right? Like right now, Kessler's gone. Brooks is gone. Sharp's gone. Baycott, very likely to return, in my opinion, and from, from what I've heard. But as of now, he's technically not, you know, 100% coming back. So he needs to get guys in – Bench seats are on the floor. So that's, you know, going after 
transfers um, that's either um, looking and, and getting on the recruiting trail, but he needs to fill the roster no matter who it is. Right now, UNC doesn't have people on the team. So the first priority is just getting as many people, um, you know, in many conversations and making sure it's the right fit, but then getting people on the team. And then the assistant coaches, you know, I think uh, Jeff Lebo's would be a great hire. Um, and I think it's a shame that he locked himself in the Carolina family because I think it's there, there are some other candidates who could do pretty well, which is why I think you may think a guy like Brad you know, Frederick may actually uh, end up filling one of those roles uh, if they can't find anybody else. Um, but I think most importantly, it's like it doesn't really exactly um, matter if you get the perfect fit because I don't think you ever know if you get the perfect fit or not. You need somebody on the team. Uh, and he's really got a, you know, McCoy was a success, but obviously the way Kessler went, you need to get some big men and you need to get them in the seat fast for Carolina fans. And even the players on the current team right now are going to start to worry. It's a, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that Hubert's got going on and, and whoever fills out his staff, of course, if you're inside Carolina premium subscriber, you've read, um, the latest updates um, that are that are posted, and you need to check them out if you're not. Um, last basketball-related question, Greg. Um, do you think or will there be, and I've asked you this before, but now it is pretty much paramount, do you think there'll be any admissions issues or is that kind of gone by the wayside at Carolina or is that still the big thing? With Because Justin McCoy is the first traditional transfer since – when 90 whenever Mactar came and then there's very few yeah. after that, there's probably a handful I mean how does that all work clearly coming from Virginia you would assume that he's a good student but that's what I was going to say like he's coming from one of the, the top academic institutions in the country um, and so I, you know I, I think the fact that that Roy never went that route and only brought in the, the four grad transfers uh, we knew that that wasn't his preference and because it wasn't his preference, that means his assistant coaches, including Hubert Davis, never went that route. And never even wasted their time trying to recruit regular transfers or in work out of a portal-type deal. Um, so this is new to Hubert, not just because he's a new coach. It's because he has a coaching staff. They never dealt with it. So I'm sure that's part of the, uh, the issue as well, is I'm sure there's a number of guys that they, they would like to jump on. But, I mean, you've you, – you don't want to dive in on somebody without knowing kind of how they set up academically. And it's just always been an issue. It's football, basketball. We've talked about it time and time again over the years. Um, and it is what it is. And I know they've, they've, they've been pleased made to kind of adjust things. And I don't know exactly where it stands now. I don't think it's quite as stringent as it once was, uh, but that's still something that Hubert has to navigate. Um, and I don't think that's something that's a, a quick phone call say hey uh kind of what are what's the benchmark here well, this guy's you know got a two two is that is that fine there's a lot more in depth to it than that uh, and so he's having to learn that on the fly and the fact that he does not have a staff in place um other than you know a couple guys who are helping him i think he's doing the bulk of the work right now and so that makes it challenging um you know the, the fact that they were able to get a guy like mccoy who and let you know it was somebody that Roy wanted anyway. So they knew he had good academics coming out of high school. So that was a, I don't want to say it was an easy get, but it's about as simple and, and seamless as you can find, right? A, a kid at a good academic institution 
you already know, you know, his past. Um, and it's really saying, okay, what, what'd you do the last two years? And let's see if that's still a fit for us and check the boxes and move on. So it's gonna be a lot more in depth and complicated with these other guys. And that's, that's just another hurdle that, that Hubert's facing. Yeah. And then you got, you know, random dudes jump in the portal and everybody's like, we got to have that guy. We got to get that guy. Carolina, we, 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 we do this, do this, you know, got to offer. Um, I said a long time ago, I'd offer the Graves brothers from Eastern Washington or wherever they're from. I'd offer them first, <laughs> man. You, you, come one, come off. Anyway. Hubert says he wants some dudes. Those are, those guys are some dudes. Like you don't get more dude than that guy. That is a, yeah, you get whooped by a headband and a beard. Look like Grizzly Adams out there torching folks. Uh, anyway, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and Luke Buxton will be covering all the latest stuff. And, of course, Sherelle McMillan will have all the basketball recruiting stuff. So stay on Inside Carolina. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about basketball. No, excuse me, talk about football. Uh, Matt Brown met with the media today. Carolina had open practice that we mentioned earlier over the weekend and in a couple weeks. The spring game comes, but first, Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Uh, people on the YouTube live stream like to clown me for talking about Johnny T-shirt. You know how you can clown me the best? Go get some Johnny T-shirt and get some T-shirts and sweatshirts and whatever you need, beach gear um, and all the jerseys. That baseball jersey. That's one thing I'm jealous of of you, Gregory. You get to go hang out in the Bosch and see those swag uniforms, man. Carolina baseball are the best uniforms out there. And Johnny T-shirts got them for sale. Support them. They support us. And if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you get 10% off your order. It saves you some money. National guys need to pay some bills. Let's let them do it. We'll be right back on The Beat Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, boys, we're back on The Beat Live. If you're with us on YouTube, shout out to Gregory Hall for getting this back up and running. Luke Buxton, seamless. seamless. Yeah. I mean, you missed the best part. The folks on YouTube live stream missed all the scoop, all the breaking what? free scoop. What do I tell them now? They'll be adding me on Twitter <laughs> and they'll be like, what the? <laughs> I didn't know Greg Barnes is such a geography guy. 
Look at the background. A little compass, map, little map. Compass. Man, we can't. Uh, while we're waiting Story on Greg. G Biggie. So while we're waiting on Greg, let's talk about our rooms here. We're not going to talk about illegal stuff. Come so on. Greg, <laughs> Gregory, oh, the, the <laughs> Gregory, uh, explain the flag for our listeners while we like wait for Greg Barnes. Uh, spent about nine weeks. How do I? You're there, Vanna. Vanna White. Do you know who Vanna White is? I do know who Vanna White is. Okay. I spent about nine weeks in Greece over summer, and it was. I went to, oh God, I, I had the number memorized at one point. I think 27 different places in just Greece. I had plans of like bouncing around Europe, but there were just so many different places in Greece to go to. I just stayed in the country. And this Coliseum was actually- and all that kind of stuff. That's Coliseum. Rome. That's Rome. Um, the oh. Coliseums in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I took Geography 101. It was rocks for jobs. <laughs> No, but I got this flag. Um, they had a big election, and I got this geology. Damn, I'm sorry. I'm oh my god, you're struggling right here. Yeah, really. And I got this flag at a uh, rally for their current president who uh, won the election. So someone handed me that flag, and that's the story behind that. Very cool. I like how you've got. Is that the LED lights around it? Yeah, that's uh, my beautiful face. Doesn't isn't dark. TikTok lights. Nice. Luke Buxton. I mean, aside from the illegal stuff, and I see a Dean Smith picture back there. What's the one over there? Is that the old high school football team over your shoulder? Dean Smith and then 1954 Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers, with okay. uh, Mr. Mister Robinson on that team. And then Respect. to my right, a pile of books. So you guys think I read. What, um, what, what kind of books? You oh, got my, my teachers. My teachers think I read. It's mostly it's a lot of um, business leadership books. We got Peter Drucker, uh, Good to Great, Jim Collins, and then a couple sports history books: Glory of Their Times, Baseball, Wright Thompson, and then a, a chess strategy book. For so Luke can take over the world. Chess, chess hobby. Greg, we we started talking about our rooms because when you left, they noticed all your all your maps and things like that. Mm-hmm. What's the meaning to the map behind you? Cause I used to have an encompass. Uh, just because, you know, for me domestically, I've traveled a ton, um, for work. Let's see here. Subtle flex right there. I'm not, I'm trying to find, I don't know where's that. I've got a, my wife made me something that's got every, uh, every byline, every dateline that, that I've written from different locations. And it's extensive. It's all over the country. I think I guess the only place I've gone out of the country for work is the Bahamas a couple of times. Um, but she travels for work as well. And she goes internationally. So she's been to Japan and uh, Europe and, and all kinds of places like that. So we, uh, we've been to a lot of places. And so we've just kind of, uh, we got us a map and we mark everywhere we've been. So it's just something fun we've done for a number of years to kind of track cool. everywhere we've been. Do you have pins in it or what? Are you we do. Just... Yep. Yep. That's so like my highlights are like Shreveport, right? Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> She's Detroit. got like Berlin and Tokyo. And... Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That helmet that's behind me, that's Helmet State, folks. If you like that. Now, that's the real deal. That's TJ Thorpe's black helmet. But that's Helmet State University. Follow him on Instagram. He does uh, awesome work. Nice. And of course, that's the basketballs. And over there, I, 
I need to be a weather person. That's <laughs> Dean Smith uh, record breaking ball. Yeah, really. There's a cold <laughs> front coming here. And, and I do have something that's pretty cool somewhere in here. Greg, you missed it, but Tommy asked me if I saw the Coliseum while I was in Greece. I know it's in Rome. <laughs> Come on, man. Why you call me out? I've got something Close. here. Close. Yeah, it's in the same part of the world. Something in here. Greg, did you ever get one of the posters of the Inside Carolina magazine covers? I did not. Being... No, we got a cool one at the office, though. Yeah, so I've got, I think I've got that around here somewhere. Sorry, Ben, I don't have it. Tom, we hand. got a question about uh, Jonas. I do. Go ahead. Jonas, I do. That sounds like a Sherelle question, but if you can answer it, go ahead. I was going to look till Greg. <laughs> yeah. Greg's like, oh. I he told you. I'd you heard it didn't everybody. look good, but uh, other than that, interest. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I would, I don't for know the, the person asked question in the chat, there's your answer. I don't know yeah. if lose yeah. interest is a right term, but it's definitely something that he hasn't we haven't gotten reports of Hubert technically offering I do yet, correct? That's a real question that I do not I know the answer to. I'd offer everybody. And All twelve fifty. I'd tell them no. It, it, no, we don't like you. We can't. Never mind. Anyway, let's talk about football. Greg Mac Brown uh, continues to lead the country in swag. Um, but what's his mood for this team um, going into what I guess tenth? Is it so? They've got what five practices left. Spring game on the twenty fourth counts as one of those. So they've got yep. three, two this week, maybe a couple next week, and then the spring game. What, what's Mac Brown's move mood here? Yeah, they've got Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, I think Friday, and then the spring game. So that's we're rapidly gearing down. Um, I think Max mindset i think he's a little bit more subdued than maybe some other coaches on his staff but i think the storyline of this spring ball has been trench warfare and that they really like what they've got on the offensive line and it's very promising what they have on the defensive line and we've talked so many times over the years tommy uh you're not going to be able to play big boy football until you can dominate on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Virginia was not as good of a football team as North Carolina was last year. They won because they won the trenches. And we know what, what Notre Dame and Texas A&M did. And that was because of what they did at the line of scrimmage. And the fact that William Barnes apparently has become the breakout story on the offensive line, um, and we know he's got the talent. It's just been a matter of kind of clicking for him. That's a huge development because they really like Ed Montalus. And then when you add in a kind of a veteran guy like Kieran Johnson, I mean, they've got eight guys right there that they really like. And that doesn't count somebody like Jonathan Adorno, who they really think is going to be a good player and who was kind of one of the guys they had to lean on last year. And then defensive line-wise, I mean, they got all kinds of guys that they like. And so I think uh, everything we've heard is that the uh, coordinators are just ecstatic with what's happening at the line of scrimmage. And um, as I said, Max a little bit more subdued about it, but I think he knows he, he's got a promising team. Anytime you have a guy like Sam Howell, uh, that makes everything so much easier for you, but you can add in some playmakers and some tough dudes in the trenches and uh, you've got the makings of a, of a very good football team. 
this this is like i don't know if i'm reading into this too much i'm not reading into it at all but i'm just saying like this is the like lowest amount that we've heard the name sam howell when talking like ever since he got here i like i think that's a testament to how confident they are in him and a testament to look we know what sam's gonna do what's everyone else gonna do and i thought it was very interesting today because cl brown asked and i thought it was a good question specifically about sam like he had such a phenomenal first two years right how do you make sure that he's not complacent and how do you continue to push him mac was like eh, we're not worried about him and then quickly shifted to the other guys literally yeah and so we got like two quotes on sam howe in 40 minutes so it's not just us not asking the right questions it's mac like i'm not worried with sam like he's gonna be sam so that that i mean clearly that bodes well and we saw a lot more Chris Well and Drake May to Tommy's excitement on Saturday than we did Sam. I mean, you see Sam at the yeah. beginning, and then it's like, all right, oh yeah, there's Sam, fifty yard down, fifty yard dime, right on the money. All right, sounds good. He's still doing well. <laughs> get get him out there. And then while he's not out there, though, it's important to note. And Luke, um, we saw this is he was sitting there. He was sitting back there when. Colby was at he was talking to Drake May and he's literally like actively coaching while the other guys are in there. He's basically a Phil Longo out there, which they've joked around before that. I mean, heck, Sam could be the offensive coordinator if he wanted to. I think Mac made the joke when Phil interviewed for a job. He was like, Sam, we might need you out there. And Sam was like, I'll do it. So well, I think you know, guys want to hear it from the coaches, but when they hear it from a player especially somebody that's done so well as, as Hal has. Are we surprised that Drake May is pressing in the spring? Did I hear Mike Brown talk about that, Luke? Say it again. Are we surprised that Drake May is pressing a little bit in the spring? Didn't I hear Mike say that? Yes. What do you mean by, by pressing? Okay. Let's, uh, Greg, what do I mean by pressing? Well, just the fact that he's trying to do a little too much. He's, he's trying to, instead of accepting kind of what his role is, he's trying maybe to impress the, the coaches and his teammates. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, with Chriswell, Chriswell seems like he's settled in. Chriswell looked like he was pressing last fall. And now yeah. it's sort of – it's interesting to see that dynamic. It makes sense. I mean, when you come – I mean, we get, you know, we forget that Drake May didn't have a, a high school season. So when you're coming off – kind of you know, this whole gap of not playing football, you're being touted as one of the best quarterbacks, pro star quarterbacks in the nation. You come in, your brother won a national championship here. Your dad was a great quarterback here. I think it makes sense that you're going to come in and you're going to try to win the job, you know, or do the best you can or win that backup job. So I don't think it's anything that anyone should be worried about. I think it's a pretty natural thing for freshmen to do. Um, but I think what Matt Brown has been saying is we don't want to name a backup QB in the spring. It's going to be something that goes on to fall camp. We want these guys to understand the offense, get their reps, and then we'll worry about that later. So I think it's all about Drake May kind of calming down, understand the offense that, that Sam Howell has, you know, that's kind of what, what made him, I think, great is he really understood Carolina's offense and, and became a genius of that scheme and, and longer scheme. So it's going to be how can how can Drake May settle down, take the the basics, the fundamentals, 
learn the schemes, learn the plays, and then go out there and, and, and prove what your arm and your legs can do. Is it realistic, and Gregory, you can start this, is it realistic to have four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster? Is that a realistic thing this day and age? I don't know. I think three is probably the magic number. Um, and then you kind of have that fourth is like an emergency. Um, because like when Matt got here and it was, excuse me, it was Cade for and Jace Reuter and Sam Howell that were all competing, right? Sam Howell won. We all know that. Jace was then lit, kind of either chose to stay and was listed as the number two and then Cade's gone. So then you have four, right? Because there was a fourth. Some I don't know if there was a fourth at the time, but say now that same thing kind of – say there's that same competition now is kind of what I'm getting at. Say Sam, Criswell, and Drake May are all fighting for a spot. Sam wins it. One of them leaves, transfers, and is like, all right, I'll go start somewhere else. And then your fourth kind of moves up to that third spot. So I think four could be realistic given that aspect. But with this lineup, I'm not sure. Because with Sam most likely gone at the end of this year, or I guess next year, then you've got Criswell and Drake May fighting for a spot. With They might both think that they earn it, but then if Criswell gets it, right, then the expectation is, all right, you got Criswell for a year. And then Drake's going to be like, well, now it's I want it to be my turn. I don't want to wait two years before I get the chance because then it's his draft year. And then he only has one year before he goes pro versus Chris will having, to, like, you know what I mean? Like it can get jumbled up moving forward right. as far as having the numbers they have now, but as far as hierarchy of, cause obviously the focus is not what's Drake may going to give us in two years. The focus is how can we get to the college football playoff this year? And if Sam gets hurt, they want to have Chris well and may ready kind of deal. Um, so I don't know, I guess for it to be realistic, but it also could not be realistic. It's just kind of a depends on situation type of answer. Yeah, yeah, Greg. And I, and please let folks understand, we're not talking about people leaving or anything like none right, of that. Right, right. Just, that was all hypothetical. Based yeah, on how merely speculating work. on Max saying he wanted four, four quarterbacks. I mean, was it two years ago that Amendola turned out to be the backup? Yeah. It was because yeah. Ruder was hurt. Yeah, Fortin uh, was hurt. Yeah, That's so a scenario you want for. <laughs> yeah, so so, Greg, how difficult is that? All the other positions, I feel like you can have countless guys. You know, and, and maybe if a fifth string wants to leave, I, I can see that. But quarterback, we're going to see Matt, if Mac Brown's really a quarterback whisperer here. Um, I think with these three guys and then you add in Jefferson Boaz because there's no question that Sam Howell's playing all the time unless they're at a point where they can pull him and not lose anything, uh, you know, not lose a game or whatever. But it's going to be a, a fine line looking ahead to 2022, I think. Yeah, and there's several several things of note here that I find fascinating. One, uh, Mac is up front saying he wants four scholarship guys. And a lot of that is because of the injury situation um, with the transfer portal situation, the way it's set up, I found it intriguing today that uh, they're doing some hard evaluations with a variety of positions next two weeks. And after spring practice wraps up, they're going to have conversations that he's never had before. And it's going to be, Hey, 
you know, we think if you continue to develop, you could be a key player for us. Maybe you could, you know, and I'll, I'll just use quarterback since we're talking about quarterback. Maybe you could, you could work your way up to being the backup quarterback and then who knows what happens. Uh, or, you know what? We just don't see you being the guy that's going to lead this program. We think you're a good teammate. We think you're a good uh, locker room guy. We just don't think that you're in position with your skill set to help us win an ACC championship. And when you have that conversation, it quickly becomes, okay, are you committed to UNC and to us? And we can help you develop and we can help you get better and we'll see how things turn out. Or having heard that, do you want to transfer? Because we have this transfer portal in place now that we've never had before. So they're going to be having these conversations with kids like in three weeks, four weeks. Hey, transfer portal is available. If these, you, if we're not checking these boxes for you, let's go ahead and get this figured out so we know how to proceed. And I mean, that's, that's new territory. So that, that's part of the interesting thing. The other thing is what the fan base will absolutely love. Because if you go back to the first Mac Brown era, what did he do with his quarterback? Quarterbacks quite a bit, Tommy. Uh, did he rotate them? He rotated them. And he yeah. even mentioned that in terms of maybe with Drake May and Jacoby Criswell, maybe two guys play. Maybe you platoon them. Um, and the fan base will love that. The message awards would be great. He um, loves to, Mac <laughs> knows how to play the game. He says that on he purpose, does. low key. I feel like he's got a burner on IC and he's like, watch out for rotating. If he. Imagine, <laughs> but even at Texas, you know, he was not afraid to take that approach. But he did that a lot at North Carolina, uh, first time around. He has no issue with doing that. And I don't know a lot of people that's a, that's a touchy subject for a variety of reasons. Um, <laughs> but that's one way you get around it. You know, if you want to keep four scholarship players and you don't have Sam Howell as your quarterback, and you've got two guys that are you know, a step down, but they're about the same, but maybe they bring different skill sets, sure. Why not use both of them? And all of a sudden, that, that depth chart shrinks just because two guys are playing. Folks on the YouTube chat, there's plenty of news um, from Sherelle on the Inside Carolina Premium basketball boards that continues to break as we do these podcasts. Uh, let's go. Let's wrap this one up. Let's go. Offense and defense. One player on each side of the ball. Uh, each person here on the panel. Breakout for the spring. Um, that will assume the Bryn Renner Award for the spring. <laughs> Greg laughs because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Bryn Renner went off on spring game his freshman year, was it, Greg? 2010. And it was uh, – he's going to be the starter without question. They got to sit T.J. Yates. He was so good we- in that game too. <laughs> he really was in front of 20,000 people, 25,000, yeah. whatever it was. I still think T.J. Yates might be the most underrated Carolina – player ever uh luke buxton give me an offensive player defensive player that has has broken out or will break out and you guys cannot double up so if luke takes somebody that y'all are thinking about think of another one let's go offense and um i love josh downs i think he is a deep threat i think he can run those medium routes he can run quick slant short route i think he is such a diverse route runner, um, great hands, fast, agile, quick. I think he is going to be Sam Howell's number one target in the spring game and also moving forward 
into the 2021 season on the defense end. I'm not going to go with a super obvious one given the nature of the question. So I'll go with Conley. I think Conley in the practice I watch, it looks like I just took maybe both of Gregory's, which I love. Um, but Conley, he, he's had, I think what stands out to me the most is he's not only a hard hitter, he's not only quick, but his instincts are, are so good. He just seems to know where to be on the field at all times. And he's always in the right position. Uh, and he's a great communicator as well. He's really vocal in that practice. So uh, Conley and Downs are, are my two guys to look out for. All right, Gregory, since you uh, threw your hands up in disgust. Oh, let, me, let me go last. I'm going to go last, see if I have enough players in my head. Are you seriously going to ask to go after Greg Barnes? Okay, that's fair, I guess. You got no um, role. I'll let Greg. I'll let Greg roll it out. Um, <laughs> offense, I think fans with their rose-colored glasses after Michael Carter, Javante Williams, are going to be extremely excited for Ty Chandler. And not to say that he's not going to end up being the player that they think he's going to be, because I think he has that potential. The play, it wasn't even the play that Mag talked about today, which I had to go back and think about the play Mag was talking about as far as there was a pass protection breakdown and Ty, Ty Chandler stood up and took on Miles Murphy head to head. I had that written down in my notes, but it was just not something that I, I don't know, remembered. I guess that's because I'm not a coach and don't remember running backs necessarily blocking, but the play that I that stood out to me with Ty Chandler was it was just a normal run to the outside to the left. And he ran into a brick wall. He ran into two guys. I don't necessarily remember who it was, but there were two defenders who he was looking right on shoulders squared and there was nowhere for him to go. And he just made a subtle move to the left and he was to the outside and he was 15 yards down the field before either defender could even turn around. It feel, it felt like, he has that kind of quick burst that I think he'll show in the spring game and that could get fans pretty excited. So that's Ty Chandler's my, my guy on offense. And then on defense, I'm going to go with Rob Rod Dilworth because he was the guy that impressed me the most in the scrimmage on Saturday. He didn't get the reps that he necessarily is going to get in this. Well, he got more reps than I think he might get in the spring game. Just well, depends on how much Jeremiah Gimmel plays in the spring game, which he might not play a lot because he didn't play at all in the scrimmage. And Ra Ra Dilworth kind of got those those reps. And what impressed me about him was his decision making with either I need to drop back in coverage or I need to get in the backfield and I need to make a play. His ability once he re- recognized that it was a run to burst through the line and right behind his big guys, whether it was Miles Murphy, Cayman Rucker, whatever defensive lineman was disrupting. He was right there, and if Miles Murphy got the first hit, but the running backs kept trucking, because a lot of them did a pretty good job keeping their feet moving, Ra Ra was right there, swallowed him up, and put him on the ground. So those are my two guys. Interesting. Greg Barnes, you can close it. So offensively, I don't know that there's many uh, non-obvious answers besides who these gentlemen have already picked. Uh, I, I do think because – Choffrey Brown and Bo Corrales are out currently. Um, I, I think the opportunity is there for Antoine Green to finally step up. In terms of skill set, uh, he may have the, the best of the bunch. It's, it's kind of been like a William Barnes situation where they've just been waiting for it to kind of click for him mentally in terms of what he needs to do 
uh, I think the opportunity is there for him. Uh, there has been some word that, that he's making the right steps forward. And I think, as we've talked about before, we, we know what Bo Corrales can do. They, they think the world of Josh Downs. If Antoine Green can kind of live up to his hype and potential, which he hasn't done yet, but if he can do that, I mean, this, this offense can be every bit as good, at least in the passing game, as it was last year. And that's saying something. Uh, defensively, I mean, the name of the game for this defense, yes, up front matters. But I think even more so than that is being able to generate a pass rush. And uh, it would be very easy for me to cheat and say Chris Collins and came on Rucker. Uh, I, I won't do that. So I'm going to go with Rucker just because I, I think they know what Tamon Fox can do. But to be able to put Rucker at a variety of positions because he is playing – of both outside linebacker and the the four eye technique, and he's actually going out to the to the nine a little bit, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but they like what he can do, and so that they're teaching him how to drop into coverage. But his job primarily is going to be getting after the quarterback because he has such a quick first burst. He's strong because he's got incredible leverage, even though he's not a very big guy. Uh, I think if they can they can counterweight uh, Fox with with Rucker all of a sudden you've got a legitimate pass rushing duo and that completely changes what Jay Bateman can do defensively. And I think that'll be a key development for this team in the fall. Go ahead, Gregory. I see your hand. Greg mentioned Tamon Fox. So this is just a, a fun little over under that I wanted to ask. He got six and a half sacks in 2019 and seven sacks last year. So over under eight and a half sacks for this upcoming season, under it's more play. I think more players could could come take his spot. King, you know, Bingley Jones, Miles Murphy, kind of all we mentioned. Um, I think could kind of limit those those numbers. If yeah, you just to, said seven, I'd have said over. But eight and a half, I'm gonna say under. Yeah, to to Luke's point, I think North Carolina as a team will have more sacks, but Fox's numbers will probably be pared down a little bit. Yeah. By the way, I, I got some. I disagree, got, but. Got some flack in the chat for saying Josh Downs. Supposedly that wasn't Bryn Renner enough. So I'm going Justin Olsen. Come on. I was thinking – I was the candidate for Bryn Renner. I was thinking Justin about Olsen. Justin Olsen. Look, it looks like I could go guard that dude, and I saw him blow past the guy and make like a <laughs> diving catch. I was like, who is out there? Like that's my – that looks like me. Um, supposedly um, – <laughs> Who looks like you, Justin Olsen? Yeah. Look, Next time you're on the field, that guy's going to take you out. It looked like – no, I'm serious. Like, I looked at that kid. I mean, obviously, watched him last season. But I looked at him. I was like, did, did he win an award? I was like, did he win an award being out there? And I looked him up, watched his highlight tape, and I saw him in the game. I was like, this guy can ball. So, if he, you know, Josh Downs, I'll give him the chat. Probably that was a little a little expected. <laughs> Even though seven catches last year, come on. It's not not guaranteed. But Justin Olsen, that's my Bruin runner pick. Put it in chalk. It's uh, it's it's official. It's going to happen. I'm I noticed – you're the one who came up with the award. I, I noticed that people said uh, that I needed to explain Bryn Renner more. Y'all know what I mean, right? Bryn Renner, like I said earlier, went off in the 2010 spring game, became everybody's favorite player. Someone you drafted in our fantasy draft, I believe. Did I? I had Durant Did... as my starter. Oh, no, that's what I'm thinking of. All right. Anything else we have not covered? Yeah, give us your two players. Come on. Javari Ritzy. Nice. Good pick. I think he will – if he stays healthy, we will talk about him 
um, most Saturdays in the fall. On offense, I mean, it's tough to pick a senior, but I think Garrett Walston's going to have a bigger year. Um, That's a similar pick to Josh Downs, but not quite because he hasn't really been talked about. So I'm okay with that. Well, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he may steal some of the receptions from the running backs. Um, okay. You know, because he's, I think he's going to be a, we'll call him the Zach Pianalto for Sam Howell, maybe, even though I think Bo Corrales is probably actually that guy. But, uh, you know, it's just tough on offense. Howell will spread it around. I, I'm Garrett see- laid the, he laid the biggest hit of the scrimmage. I mean, he actually, he, not actually, he 100% put, I think it was, I think it was Don Chapman. And one of the touchdowns, he put Don Chapman into the ground. Well, I mean, that's not really a fair fight, is it? I know, but it was just – I don't know why Chapman even tried to – it was either Chapman or Obi Agbuna, and they, like, met at the goal line, like, shoulder like shoulder to shoulder, and then Garrett got on top, and whoever was the defender came up and had, like, a chunk of grass in his face mask. It was just a big hit. Were they playing on turf? How do you get a chunk of grass in the turf? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know what it maybe it was his mouth. It was his, I don't know. I'm going to start in the podcast right now. That is so, uh, they, or they do just, play on turf. What, what was it then? Is it could have been, been the rubber tires. I don't know. It wasn't there. You, y'all could have, I have told anywhere. like 30 people that story <laughs> and not no, one it, of I, them, not one of them has said, don't they play on turf? Thank fish, you, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy, for that. being rubber on top. Makes sense. Rubber pellets make sense. I used to get, uh, my whole boot was filled with our pellets. And I played on turf. I this was like, that was when Luke was scoring touchdowns and running past people, aka like Josh Olson or Justin Olson. Justin Olson. I'm telling, I'm telling you, I looked at him, I was like, This dude is a bona fide scrub. You can be walking, <laughs> be walking across play. campus and get taken out. <laughs> he can play. Greg Barnes, is it time to get out of here? I think it Someone is. Someone keeps yes, yes. who has the lowest golf handicap, and I just think that's unfair considering we have a former like. Tour, like I don't know, tour pro, no, not club just, pro. No, yes, don't. That's pro. not fair. Quite a distinction there. Whatever, it's all the same to me. Greg um, Barnes is a three, and I don't. I wouldn't give him three. I'd, I'd maybe make you go plus one, Greg, if we played. I got Ooh. down to a seventeen point eight last year, so that's good. I'm playing Chapel Ridge tomorrow with Pat James. I'll let you know how it goes. That's a, that's a good little track. Let me know what kind of shape it's in. We need to get together and play. We'll challenge this four group right here. We'll challenge anybody out there. Live stream. Me, me and That'd Greg versus Gregory and Tommy. We'll put the, the enemies no. in the same Okay. Team why do you get don't... Greg? Why do you get Greg? Yeah, no. I'm the worst one here. I think it should be the three of us versus Greg. Like, I mean, I wouldn't take that, just be honest yeah. with you. That's like that's like Tommy's Baylor and Gonzaga versus Spread Bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this has been fun. Uh <laughs> we'll do this again maybe next week as we lead into the spring game. And uh Inside Carolina Live, or I see live before the spring game, will be from 11 to 1 leading into the spring game live on WCHL. Uh, follow Inside Carolina for plenty of basketball scoop. There's a lot out there. and But remember, a done deal is not a done deal until it's a done deal. Thanks, boys. It's been the Inside Carolina podcast. Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Greg Barnes, Luke Buxton, Gregory Hall. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. 
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.